we're going to continue on in our series on the victorious lifestyle of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about that. Hallelujah. God is so ready to bring revelation knowledge to your heart. He wants you to walk in a continual stream. And it's all about the hearer. It's all about having ears to hear. So say this with me tonight. Father, I declare out of my mouth that I have ears to hear. I am hungry. I am thirsty for your word. Almighty Holy Spirit, I humble myself under your mighty hand. Bring revelation to my heart from your word. And I declare that I'll not just be a hearer, but I'll be a doer of your word. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. We finished the last time I was with you on Wednesday. And remember, your pastor will never lie to you. Remember? Last Wednesday, I did not go late. You know? I, now, I was in Florida. Now, Pastor Dave, you know, whatever. We will have to pray for him, but, you know, whatever. But tonight, we want to keep going with this. We started talking about the last time that I was with you, a truth. And turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, in verse 34. We started talking about a principle of having a single eye, a clear eye, and how important that is in the walk of faith. How important that is as you walk as a Christian. You've got to make up your mind. It all starts with a quality decision that, like I think Joshua said it this way, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you have to make a decision. I'm so glad I made that decision. Now, when I made it, it was this powerful faith statement. I said, okay, Lord, sink or swim, live or die. That's not much of a faith statement. But for me, that's where I was at. I will live according to your word. I'm so glad I did that. So I've made a decision. It's not optional for me to not walk in love. That's not an option that's in my life. It's not an option for me to ever not have his word first place in my life. That isn't even an option. I don't, I, see, see, the reason why we have to do this is because guess what Satan is? He is the great option giver, right? He'll, he'll be like, you know, I know the word of God says this, but you know, you just gotta be real. No, 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 no. That's just carnal, real carnal. We don't want that. That's death. But you make a decision. As for me, I will walk by the faith of God. I will walk in the love of God. Right? Only option in my life. My eye is clear on this. I'm never going to try to be strong in myself. I'm only going to be strong in his strength. Right? I'm going to walk according to his grace. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I see. I don't care what everybody else is saying. Let every man be a liar, but let God's word be true. Here's another area, and this is why this is so important, because Thanksgiving is a foundational piece to everything. It, it, it is what literally, it, as we've said before, it puts things in motion. It connects you to the blessing of God. It connects you to miracles. It increases your capacity to receive from him. 
So I'm single-minded. My eye is clear. I'm not ever going to be unthankful. I'm always going to be thankful. I'm going to live a life of that. So therefore, I'm going to cultivate thanksgiving. Now, when everything is nice and you're sitting in here amongst people that you love and people of like faith, have you noticed everybody brings a supply and it creates this environment that you're just like, oh, this is awesome. It's so easy to be thankful here. But I'm talking about when it's dark and when your emotions are really messing with you and Satan's throwing thoughts in your mind and everything in the natural looks like it's like God has deserted you. That's when you cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. So let's look at this. Luke chapter 11, verse 34. It says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, your whole body or thy whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is evil, the body also is full of darkness. So when we break this down, this word single, when your eye is single, this Greek word means when your eye is clear. This Greek word also means when your eye is simple. Everything of the enemy is confusing. Have you ever, I mean, you start entertaining his thoughts, you start just going, okay, everything just seems so confusing. This is why we need each other, right? So we're always in an environment, the right environment. This word also, basically it gives us a picture of a healthy eye that is seeing things as they really are. It's, and, and it gives us the picture, it's not like a diseased eye or an impaired eye that is seeing double or seeing things cloudy or not seeing things at all. And the, the stress here is it's not like an eye that is diseased that sees double. And this is, you know, we talked a little bit about it. If you look at the word doubt in the Bible, it literally has in that Greek word, there's diacrino, there's different Greek words, but at the root of it, it means like you're seeing double. And that gets confusing because here's the deal. It's impossible for you to look at two things at the same time. It's impossible for you to see, to look at the problem and see the answer. You can't do it. And Satan knows this. That's why we keep, we fix. The Bible says things like this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Or who is Jesus? He is the word of God, right? Fix your eyes on the word of God. The Bible says if you don't do that, we'll grow wearied and faint in our minds. So it says the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, clear, simple, you're seeing clearly. Your whole body will be full of light. But when your eye is evil, and this Greek word evil, it's interesting, it denotes, it denotes a situation that is a degeneration from the original condition. So when your eye 
starts to get degenerated from being single. Does that make sense? That's the picture in the Greek. When you look, when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, fixed on his word, your eye is clear. But the minute you start looking at a circumstance or anything that you can see, feel, touch, smell, hear, anytime you start looking at that, guess what starts happening? It starts to get cloudy. Your sight starts to, de- it starts to degenerate. You're going backwards. You see a picture of it with Peter. Jesus is walking on the water. You guys know that story, right? He's walking on the water, and Peter, you know, he's, he's bold, man. He's like, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. Well, why would he even say that? Well, if you know the Galilean, see, Peter was raised in the Galilean region. So the reason, their whole, their whole school system was built on the Old Testament. And so there were different levels of education. And so you would go through the, the first level, and you would literally memorize the first five books of the Bible. Then you go to, and, and if you were the cream of the crop, you'd go to the next level. And then if you were, the, the rest of the students that weren't the cream, they would say to them, hey, go home and go into the business of your parents, whatever that is. But if you kept being the cream of the crop, you would get to the point where the last level, you're probably 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe at the most, and you, will, you would be able to literally quote the whole Old Testament, verse, word for word. So you, not, not only that, you, you, you were like at the top of your class every year. And then those guys at the end of that education, if they wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi, they would go to a rabbi. And they, now this is, this is well-versed. This is why Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come to you. So if they wanted to go on and they wanted to become a disciple of a rabbi and ultimately be a rabbi, they would have to go and they would, uh, if the rabbi really thought, this is what the rabbi would have to think. Not, does this guy just know what I know? If, If the rabbi looked at a young man and said, well, I think he probably can know what I know, that would not be enough. But if he looked at that young man and said, Not only do I believe this guy can know what I know, but I believe he can do what I do. Then he would look at the young man after this this verbal, it was like an oral examination. He would look at him and he'd say, okay, come and follow me. So see, all of those disciples, they never heard that from a rabbi. As Peter grew up in the region of the Galilee, what happened? He probably finished one of the levels. And they they told him, okay, hey, thanks for coming. Go home and go into your father's business. He never heard a rabbi say, come follow me. Because to hear a rabbi say, come follow me, it was that rabbi was going, hey, I know you can do. Come follow me because I know you can do what I do. So here's Peter. At one point in time, Jesus looked at him and he said, come, follow me. What Peter heard was, oh my gosh, 
the master is saying he believes I can do what he does. That's why when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter goes, hey, if that's you, Jesus, you already said you believed I could do what you do. Tell me to come to you. So here's Peter. He, he, I mean, he's a professional fisherman. He gets out of the boat. He climbs out of the boat. He's literally walking on liquid water going to Jesus. But then what happened is waves started, wind, wind and waves. We all know you could walk on liquid water unless, of course, there's wind or waves. Right? How silly is that, right? But he, what did he do? This is a picture of us. Because I've got to tell you guys, all of us, for years, I did not want to be out of the boat. But the whole walk of a Christian is out of the boat. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Not might, shall. So you're, you're I mean, Jesus has already said come. When it's come, follow me, it's like get out of the boat. So now Jesus is standing there. Peter's walking to him. He starts looking at the circumstances and what happens. He starts to do something else supernatural. He begins to sink. Have, have, if you, have you ever jumped in a pool and you hit the water and then you just slow down and you just kind of go, ooh. No, you don't begin to sink. You just sink, right? Now, at least Peter was smart enough to yell out to Jesus, and Jesus grabbed him, pulled him up, and guess what? They walked back to the boat. Wow. Pretty amazing, isn't it? In other words, if I keep my eyes single, if I fix my eyes on Jesus, and I have no other option, I mean, how did this mess all start? By Satan... Now, he didn't deceive Eve, or didn't deceive Adam, the Bible says, but he deceived Eve. He got her looking at the benefits of this tree, to eating of this tree that she was not supposed to. And then when she ate and she died spiritually, that light went out of her spirit. And all of a sudden, Adam is standing there going, oh my gosh, this woman that I love that God made for me now is, we're separated we're, she's different now than me. And then he had an option to live separated or to put her before God. That option caused spiritual death to come upon all of us, didn't it? I would encourage you in the area of thanksgiving to make up your mind that my eye is single in this area. If you want to see things as they really are, you have to be thankful. Your eye has to be single in this area. Faith picks the truth of God's word and ignores the rest. Now your body may be hurting, but it picks the truth of the word of God and your strong spirit that's locked on the Jesus just keeps thanking God that you're healed. Thanking God, commanding the pain to leave your body because Jesus paid for it already. This is the walk of faith. When you make a decision to look at one thing, it brings light into every other area of your life. That's what this, that's what this verse says. 
When your eye is single, it'll bring light into your whole life, your whole body. You make a decision to live a life of thanksgiving, and guess what it'll do? It'll affect your faith life, it'll affect your finances, it'll affect your relationships, it'll bring unbelievable stability into your life, it'll bring peace beyond anything you've imagined, you'll walk in strength, the blessing of God, it, it just changes everything. I don't care what you have been through. God's will for your life is that you walk through it and God, that the God of heaven, you give it to him and he has complete restoration way beyond anything you could even imagine. That's his will for your life. Even in Proverbs 11, what is it? 1131, I believe it is. The righteous will be recompensed or repaid while they're in the earth. Satan's got to bring everything back that he stole from you. There, see, why are we saying this? Because remember, week one, we made this statement. There is no place in between being thankful and being unthankful. There's no middle ground. If you're not thanking him, you're unthankful. And we don't, that, that, that cuts you off, not from him giving to you, it cuts you off from you being able to receive. Because he's the unlimited vine, the limitation is in our ability to receive. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you so that you could receive everything. So now, jump in your Bible, jump over to Psalm 97, verse 11. Psalm 97, verse 11. It says this, I love this scripture, it says light is sown for the righteous and gladness is sown for the upright in heart. I want you to really focus on that first half. Light is sown for the righteous. Wow. Makes me think of Psalm 119 verse 105 right? The word of God, words are containers. How many times have you heard me? Some people are like, yeah, if he didn't have a water bottle, he couldn't preach. <laughs> but words are containers and they contain thoughts. So the, bo the bottle is like the word, the water is the thought. And it's the thoughts that will shape you and mold you. That's why you have to guard your thought life. Every problem in your life starts with a thought. Every good thing that happens in your life starts with a thought. Right? So the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 105, the entrance or the opening of his word does what? It gives light. Right? The entrance of his word gives light. I love that. Hallelujah. So when, so when you think about this, light is sown for the righteous. And the entrance of his word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. Interesting. Verse 105 is good. His, the light that comes out of the word of God, what is it? 
It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's, it's how I know where I am, and it's how I know where I'm going. Light is sown for the righteous. The Holy Spirit right now, he's stirring your heart, the hearts of hungry people, because he wants to bring revelation knowledge of his word to you. That's light. See, when he, see, what happens is you hear the word of God, but if you'll meditate in it, all of a sudden, it'll go off in your heart. And what happens, light comes, and now you see it. Light is sown. Revelation knowledge is sown for the righteous. Does that, are, you, are you grasping this? This is a huge thing. That's why the word of God is so important. When you make a decision to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving, then light is sown for you. It's sown for you. You know, with the men, on Tuesday mornings, we're going through the book of Colossians. And man, you know, I, chapter one, I, had, I have 50 pages of notes on chapter one. We finally made it through chapter one. So my goal was to make it through chapter two, verse eight. I have 21 pages of notes on, on verse one through verse eight. But one of the things that we see is that how revelation comes to us is when believers get so intertwined and in love with one another, that's when revelation comes. So in other words, there's a love dynamic there. As you walk in the love of God, as you walk in thankfulness, it causes light what, what it is, God wants to sow light to all of his kids, but now you've positioned yourself. See, he can't sow light to somebody who's not in the right place because he'd have to violate their will to do it, and he can't do that. He would have to violate his, his word. He gave you a free will. So that's how come he keeps going. See, you know, and I, was, I think I was talking to Pastor Dave about this because we're going to get into some things in Colossians. You've got to be careful of the world's philosophy, so like here's an example, psychology, in its generalist form, in its most general form, will say this. The philosophy of this is it's not really your fault, it's a byproduct of something else that's happened to you, whatever you have in your life. And on the surface, you're going, oh, praise God. So it kind of relieves you of maybe some guilt or whatever, but that philosophy the other edge of that philosophy is the two-edged sword of, so you're saying that things that are out of my control can now affect my life. But that's not, that's completely, completely contrary to the philosophy of God. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, what does God say? I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing and then in case you don't understand which one to pick god even gives you the answer he says so and and i'm telling you this you get revelation of this then he says so you choose life what now you would think we'd be able to see this you know i have ministered to people that have struggled with alcoholism and i have had people tell me Listen, the reason why I have such a problem is because I grew up in an alcoholic home. But you know, 
I grew up in an alcoholic home. And I've never taken a drink of alcohol. I saw what it did to my stepdad. And man, I'm telling you, it had, it's never been a part of my life. So one person, it draws them in. Another one, it repels them. Why? Well, for some reason, I made a decision. I don't want that. And so I stayed away from it. Now, but what, what stuck with me? Worthlessness. Evil is evil. So where somebody else might have a drinking problem, I had a major worthlessness addiction. So we got to be careful with who we embrace. And this is why God is saying, let your eye be single. In the area of thanksgiving, I cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I thank God in everything. Right? It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm thanking God in it. Why? Well, remember foundational scriptures, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Let's throw that up there. I know you guys know it by now, right? Now thanks be to God, or but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Check this one out. Now thanks be unto God, which how often does he cause you to triumph? Always. So is there ever a reason not to be thankful in something? No, because you always, he always gives you victory. He always causes you to triumph. Wow, that was worth coming tonight. He always causes us to triumph in Christ. Notice all these things are in Christ. Thank God when you were born again, you're in Christ. You were created in him. It's in him, Acts 17, 28, that I live and move and have my very being, right? And now because of this, my father will always make manifest a fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Wow. I love that. I love that. When you make a decision to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving, then light is sown for you. This revelation from God's word will cause you to see everything clearly. And in Colossians, it tells us that we're to walk worthy unto him. And it's a, it's a forward step-by-step motion. What are the problems in many Christians' lives? I mean, I could preach on this all day because I've done this. I've been to the concert. I've bought the t-shirt where I've decided to do things that seem right for me. Well, I'm going here because I think this is the right thing to do. No, forget all that. It's very simple. If Jesus is your Lord, what do you want me to do? Knowing that your God will make everything clear, and until you see it clear, I'm not moving. I'm not going to make a decision. I'm not going to make that move until I have a peace. Now, here's the funny thing, though, is if you're standing and doing nothing until you have a peace, you'll never have it. So you have to see, this is why spiritual mature person, it's, it's the word adjust and repair. So I'm, what do I do? What do I, I'm always doing something. I'm always thankful and I'm always 
hearing his word and meditating in his word. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, his will comes into your life in the form of his word, but his will comes out of your spirit in the form of desires. So I delight in the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm delighting in the Lord. I'm meditating in his word. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of God will start bearing witness. Move, go here. Do this. Go, go here. And, if you, and, and it's, it's, it's Romans 8, 14. Those who, are led, those who are born of God are led by the spirit of God. If I start going in a wrong direction, I'll know it on the inside of me. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. I got to go back this way. God wants you to see everything clear. And to do that, you've got to live a lifestyle of thanksgiving. You can't be unthankful. So this is so important. Now let's go a little deeper in this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 9. I sure hope this is helping you tonight. Man, if we could slow that clock down, it would even be better for me, but we're, we're doing okay. Proverbs 13.9 says this, The light of the righteous rejoices. Wow. The light of the righteous rejoices. Now this is interesting. This word rejoices here literally means it, the light the revelation knowledge that's going off on the inside of you from the word of God, the light of the righteous, it gives you joy. That's what this word rejoices means in the Hebrew language. So do you want, this is why you will have joy by the answer of your mouth. Because the light, the revelation knowledge of the word of God gives you joy. It, it also means it cheers you up. It makes you glad and it makes you happy. See, so many Christians are living their life, and if things go the way their flesh really wants it to go, then they think they're happy. There's going to be people that get to heaven, and they're going to be like, whoa. I, so this is what happy means. Happy's not a new car. It's not a new house. It's not certain clothes. If you're single, it's not being married. If you're married, it's not being single, right? I mean, literally, happy, happy, it's, it, comes from, it comes literally from revelation knowledge of God's word. It's real interesting. In, in the Bible, in the, in the book of Proverbs, actually, it says, happy is the man that finds wisdom. Now, it's really interesting in the, in the Hebrew language the Hebrew language has connecting words. You know what the connecting word for happy is in the, in the Hebrew language? It's growth. Sounds really weird. You want to be happy? You got to grow spiritually. It's not things. There's nothing in this world that'll satisfy you. Oh, you can enjoy some things, but I'm telling you, when your eyes are on Jesus, you'll enjoy everything more. I love that. The light of the righteous rejoices. This increases your capacity to receive from God. This connects you to your miracle. It connects you to your healing, to your provision. It connects you to triumph. 
It connects you to everything that God has provided for you by his grace. I love that. I love that. Is this helping you tonight a little bit? So in other words, Thanksgiving, as we've said before, it's how you increase your capacity to receive from him. He is not the problem. The Bible says that God is good all the time, that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. The Bible says in the book of James that God will never upbraid you. That means he'll never get down on you for the mess you've created. Have you ever created some mess? God's, what God's gonna do, Satan's gonna talk to you about the mess. God's gonna talk to you about, give me the mess and forget about it and let's go. Right? For us as parents, man, when we, when we parent our children, when I grew up, if I did something wrong, I got, I got hammered for what I did wrong and everything else I had done wrong since birth. Don't do that to your children because God never does that. As a matter of fact, he goes into, Tony, don't beat yourself up. Forget about it. I remember when the Lord very clearly spoke to me at one point in my life and he said, listen, Tony, I don't care where you've been. I don't even care where you are, but the question that I'm asking you today is, will you forget all that and go from here with me? I am so glad I did that. So the word of God doesn't beat you up. God doesn't ever get down on you. He's always trying to lift you up. That's you getting down on yourself because of your flesh, because of wrong thoughts, and that's the enemy. It's never God. I love that. Man, that'll preach. See, we receive God's will based on our capacity. If faith is limited, then our ability to receive from him is limited. If faith is increased, then our ability to receive from him is increased. God is not withholding anything from any of his children. He's already given it to you. The Bible says he blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. That was the moment you accepted Jesus. All the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, so be it unto you. So we want to, why am I teaching on this? To increase your capacity. Because he's the God of miracles. He, the Bible says that Jesus said that he would work with and confirm his word with signs following. I'm telling you, you need to get up in the morning and just thank God. Father, I thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're going to confirm your word today in my life and there will be signs following me all over the place. If you could see in the spirit realm, there's all these angels carrying signs. He's blessed. He's healed. The money's on the way. You know, you're, you're an overcomer. I mean, they just, signs. These signs shall follow them, right? This is what he's talking about. Psalm 78. We said this, I think, in week one or two. Psalm 78, 40. Verse 40 and verse 41. It says this. Talking about the children of Israel. Look at this. Now this is talking about how the children of Israel limited the God of heaven. It says, how often 
Did they provoke him in the wilderness? How often in this wilderness, this 11-day journey that they decided to take 40 years because they would not believe that they could have what God said he gave them. How often did they provoke him? Wow, this word provoke, it's the Hebrew verb mara. It's, it's kind of pronounced ma-ra. I can't hardly talk that way, but you get my... It literally means rebelliousness. How often did they rebel against me? The Bible says that they came with an evil report of unbelief. Hebrews tells us that. Unbelief, it's the Greek word rebellious disobedience. They rebelled against God. And it, and it says, and they grieved him in the desert. This word grieved means that the children of Israel, because they would not believe what God said, it gave God emotional hurt and pain. Wow. Is that amazing? Why? Because God loves them. He loved that generation, even though, I mean, they, they ticked him off. The only time you see Jesus ever not being happy is when he's dealing with religious leaders. When God's not happy, it's because people aren't believing him. He's like, what, excuse me? Time out, I'm God. You know, when we get to heaven, no, every, all these people, it says, you know, this happened in my life, and I'm just mad at God. If they're really born again, the minute they stand before Jesus, they're gonna be like, Ooh, wow, yeah, no. Thank God I don't have to give an account for that. They'll look at Jesus and go, thank you. There's the Father, wow. Right? I think he could, I think maybe his ways, there were some things I didn't understand. Isn't it amazing how we as humans will throw God under the bus? <laughs> we'll read something in the Bible and we're like, wait a minute. It's like, dude, there's a reason why Jesus or why the Bible says, my little children. Right? I mean, you take your big plan. You know, you've went to school for 18 years. You've got 24 letters past your name. You're one of the most educated people in the United States. And you take this highly elaborate plan to God, and it's like a little crayon drawing out of the lines figurine. And he's like, oh, baby, that's so cool. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put that on my throne. He, he hands it to a Jerob. Hey, can you just kind of put that on my throne? Because I just get excited that my little child, compared to him, Oh, we have a lot to be thankful for. The God of the universe knows every hair on your head. He's, he, the Holy Spirit that lives in you right now is in every day of your future right now. He knows everything you'll face. He knows every lie of the enemy. He knows every attack. See, that's why the Bible says, listen, Allow the whole armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, to manifest upon you that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand. Survey the battlefield. The Holy Spirit lifts you up, and all of a sudden he takes you up here, and he's like, okay, come here, come here, Tony. Hey, see, okay, see? See, he's coming this way. And this is what, so you start meditating in the word right now. I'm going to bring revelation and, and see, and I'm over here going, oh, wow, I would have never saw that. 
down there, but now I'm surveying the battlefield. And then three weeks later, a month later, four years later, when he shows up and he comes, I'm, I'm like, it is written, it is written, it is written. And it smacks him in the face. God doesn't have any plans for you to go backwards. Hallelujah. It says in verse 41, yea, they turned back. See, God never wants you to turn back. He doesn't want you to run from anything. A lot of people, man, they come to churches like this and they hear the word. And all of a sudden, it seems like everybody else is blessed and all hell's breaking loose in their life. And they're like, yeah, I got to get out of here. This is No, no, he's never going to leave you alone anyway. You might as well learn some things and stand, in, stand against him because you have authority over him. God has no plans for you to ever lose, to ever decrease, to ever diminish. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That Hebrew word means I have never lacked and I will never lack. It's a faith statement. I have never diminished and I will never diminish. I have never decreased and I will never decrease because he is my shepherd. I love that. Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And look at this, it says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Unbelief stopped God's ability. In other words, we're the limiting factor, so let's not be. How do we not be the limiting factor? We thank him. Do you know you're created to thank him? When you start cultivating this, it'll start bubbling up in you. It'll start overtaking everything in your life. See, we could only enjoy from God what we're able to receive, right? So we're seeing here that something's got to happen in me to increase my capacity to receive from him. This is so important. You can thank God out of any problem any sickness, any situation into complete victory. I'm telling you, this is absolute foundational Bible victory 101. You can thank your way out of any loss into complete victory to where everything is paid back. But here's the deal. You're like, oh, great, here we go. No, you'll love this. Your flesh might not, but you'll love this. Thanksgiving is an exercise in true humility. It is. Humility. Walking in the reality that without God, I can do nothing. That without God, I have nothing. These are all in you realities in the Bible, right? The, this, this is, that's humility. See, we think being humble is weak, but being humble is strength. Strength. I love this. Thanksgiving is acknowledging what God has done for you. So you must stir up this lifestyle of thanksgiving. And when you study this, hopefully you'll know this is week nine. God doesn't tell us to thank him because he needs it. Because his ego just needs us to thank him. No, no. He is the self-sufficient one. 
In his presence is fullness of joy. He does not need your thanksgiving. You need it. Why? Because thanksgiving connects you. Thanksgiving increases your capacity to receive from him. See, God is love. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says love never considers itself himself. Do you know that God doesn't do anything for him? I love uh, Copeland's ministry sent out a book years ago. It's, it's called He Did It All For You. And that's true. Everything God does, he does for us. That's why the angels of God in the book of Psalms, there's this interaction where, where these angels are going, what is man? They're like looking at God going, what is man that you're even mindful of him? Right? You're the apple of his eye. God knows you. Hallelujah. He wants us to thank him for our benefit. Why? Because God, he wants the door wide open for him to come into your life and change your situation. See, we're Christians. Oh, it's going to be great when the rapture happens and we go to heaven. But we're down here to bring heaven to this earth. And our city... And all the people in it, our region, the state, the whole nation, the whole world needs the church to bring heaven to this earth. So important. Thanking him increases our capacity to receive the grace of God, which causes us to reign in life. So Psalm chapter 34, verse 3 says this. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Hmm, together. Always together, guys. We get everything together. But this word magnify is real interesting Webster's dictionary, Webster's original dictionary, really is in line with what the Hebrew word means. It means to make great, to make greater, or to elevate. Webster's even said this, to make great in representation. The Hebrew word literally means to promote and to make great. To magnify God is to make him great. Now, he's already great, but that won't do you any good unless you see that he's great, right? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So there's a dynamic. If you want, see, here's the thing. So Pastor Edwin, when he was getting his PhD in biochemistry at the med center, right? You're researching pancreatic cancer. Could you just like pull out a little slide and just kind of hand, just hold it there and Kind of go, hmm, you probably couldn't really see that, that cell that you were looking at, could you? So you had to do what? You had to magnify it. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? Right? He had to magnify it. You could actually magnify it to see into the cell, right? Yeah. To see it clearly. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt. This means to raise and lift up. 
This, this word literally means the act of raising. So this is why you need your brothers and sisters, because you need somebody to help you. Let us exalt what? His name together. Oh man, you know, see the Terminator, the Rambo Christian, that's not a thing. Right? You watch enough of those action movies and you start to go, man, these guys are all a mess. <laughs> they're wounded. They're, they're all, they're all, they can't even express their feelings. Their lives are a disaster. But we as men watch him and go, oh, wow, he's got big biceps. Yeah, but he's messed up. <laughs> With God, you could have big biceps and be whole. Amen. But you need help to magnify you need help. We must make the decision to do this. I have to make a decision to magnify the Lord. Have you ever been in a circumstance where it looked so big? You can get in a circumstance where you're sitting across from a doctor and he tells you, I'm really sorry. It, there's nothing else I can do. That could be pretty big. That's when you need people around you going, hey, come on. Let's magnify him. Let's exalt his name together. We need each other. Have you ever noticed sometimes you're in a position where you just don't, you're like, man, I just don't, you know, I kind of kicked the dog and did some things wrong or whatever, and I just kind of, I just need to kind of be alone. No, no, that's when you need to run to a brother or sister and go, hey, let's, let's magnify the Lord together. Right? This is something we do together. When you magnify the Lord, you see that God is greater than what you're seeing in the natural. When you exalt and magnify God, oh, that circumstance might be big, but have you, ever, have you ever heard me talk about faith? When you're in faith, you're always comparing the mountain to God. You never compare the mountain to you. Why? Because you're magnifying him. Well, gosh, pastor, okay, so, so how do I do that? Okay, together. You're increasing your capacity in the area of knowledge, wisdom, and also experience. In other words, think about it. God fed 5,000 men and their families with five loaves and two fishes. Jesus didn't seem stressed out at all. He's like, hey, you know what? All of a sudden, he gets prompted. His father says, feed these people. They've been with you for three days. Okay, no problem. He looks at his disciples. Hey, you guys, feed these guys. You can just imagine. They, notice they didn't go, well, hey, we don't have the money to do that. No, I mean, Jesus' ministry flourished, right? He, his treasurer was stealing from them, and they always had more than enough. But they were just like, well, well time out, Jesus. There's no high V. How are we going to do this? So Jesus is like, well, what do you have? See, remember, he's in the kingdom of God. There's no lack in the kingdom of God. So he's like, okay, little boy comes up and decides to sow what he has. 
Five loaves and two fishes. He's gone for three days. Mom, I'm going to hear Jesus. I'll be back in three days. Okay, baby, here's your five loaves and two fishes. That's all I got. But just so, so he's there. He hasn't eaten for three days. And all of a sudden, the master's calling for something. I wonder if he thought, well, maybe I ought to just keep some of this for me. Because, I mean, come on. What is five loaves and two fishes going to do for 20,000 people? Man, they're taking an offering, but you know, all I've got is a dollar. God could do a lot with a dollar. But if you don't think he can, you know why? Because you're not magnifying him. See, when you magnify God, this is the first thing that'll happen. This happened to me. It's amazing. It makes me weep. I thought I was the biggest mess in the world. Everybody thought I was so great, and I just, I mean, I, I lived my whole life going, yeah, I'm just a farce. I'm, I'm nothing. It's a joke. All lies from the enemy. But you start magnifying God, and the first thing that happens is you're like, wow. It doesn't matter what kind of mess I am because... It's, it's me and him. He's the fixer of every mess. I'm telling you, if you're a one today, he's a 99. If you might be really strong in an area and you're a 90, he's a, he'll be a 10. Well, let me get this right. If you're a one, he'll be 101 because he's always the God of more than enough. Right? See, when you start to magnify the Lord, you will start seeing who you are correctly it changes everything so here i'm going to close with this go to psalm 69 30 you know actually i think i even quoted this verse on sunday i went to a couple verses psalm 69 30 this this verse has been going off in me for about a year so i hope this is exciting you as much as it excites me because i've been waiting a year to even quote this verse Look at this. The key is, okay, so if thanksgiving magnifies my ability, increases my capacity to receive, it ties me to miracles, it does everything. Okay, so how in the world do I magnify the Lord? It tells me right here, I will praise the name of God with a song. So that tells me that worship is tied to this. But look at what it says. It finishes up. And will magnify him with thanksgiving. You have the microscope with you all the time. And that's why Satan wants to shut your mouth. But if he can't shut your mouth, he can't keep you from magnifying the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it'll cause you to see things, see your God as greater than anything you face. The power to change your life all around you, in other words, is within you. The power to change your life all around you is within you. The greater one, the mighty Holy Spirit, to open yourself, your spirit, as you thank him. 
That's how it works. This is why in worship, I'll lay every fear at your feet. I'm going to lift your name high as I lift my hand. See, when you do this, you're open. Literally, this is what I, if you don't leave with anything tonight, how you magnify God is with thanksgiving. How you open your spirit to increase capacity to receive from him is with thanksgiving. When you do this in the midst of your body hurting, in the midst of circumstances, and you start to say, Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph in you. That you always give me the victory. That I'll be the head only and not the tail. You open every door that, I, that cannot be shut. You shut every door that cannot be opened. You have given me the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every circumstance, every pain, every symptom, every situation, all my past has to bow to the name of Jesus. So this is a principle. If the Lord leads me, we're going to have to maybe go a little deeper in this. But I'm telling you, this is a key. Oh, principles of faith are wonderful and we need them. But see, this is the problem. So many people are, they're so, they're so laser focused on, okay, I got to get my confession right. And I got to, okay, he said, I got to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. And okay, what? I need three or four scriptures and, and, and all this stuff. And you forget that all of it's based on his grace. So the key, you just need to know, magnify God and see how much more he loves you than what you think. See how much more able and, and ever-present. See, the Bible says things like this, he's my ever-present help in my time of need. How do I know that? Because I magnify him. Amen?